Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, we've got a dump of information about Animal Crossing, God of War is coming to PC, and special guest Jay Lynn is here. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And the hotline director of games and online harassment hotline, Jay Lynn, is here. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for having me. We're so glad that you're here. That is quite the title. And we are going to be talking more about the hotline a little bit later on in the show. But I'm so happy that friend of the show, Anita Sarkeesian, was able to connect us with you to get you on the show to talk about everything that you guys have been doing. And, you know, we haven't really gotten a chance to connect and learn about you as a person and as a gamer. So it's going to be a fun adventure today. Yeah, I'm so excited. And... It works out that we have Animal Crossing news because I saw that you got back into Animal Crossing. I wore my Celeste shirt just because I knew we'd be talking about the direct from last week. So hopefully it should be a fun show. But before we get to any of that news, I want to say thank you to our Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Argopoulos, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Godare, and Punctified. If you want to be part of our Patreon community, patreon.com slash what's good games, where you can select your membership of choice, including getting the show for ad free. And Brittany, it looks like we have some new podcast reviewers. We do. We have a review from IDK Linux, who says, I listened through three episodes, which included lots of very solid gaming content, an insightful discussion of pregnancy and childbirth, and a Bluey reference. What more could I want? My only concern is that one of the regulars recently left the show. I hope this is not a sign of impending doom, but maybe it's just that I have been recently scarred by the rapid demise of Giant Bomb. Uh, I just wanted to call this out. I know. Wah, wah. Because... Although we have lost our lovely salt shaker, Christine Seimer, to a lovely position in Germany. I just want to reiterate that Andrea and I are still committed to the weekly show. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. We've invested far too much time into this shit show to abandon it now. (laughs) Speaking of this shit show, apparently this shit show has caught the attention of some very important eyeballs in case you missed Brittany and I posting on social media earlier this week. Variety, the leading entertainment trade, has called What's Good Games one of the 20 best podcasts to listen to right now. We're super thrilled to be included. That's amazing. Thank you. And what's really interesting about this list that someone pointed out to me is that it's not a 20 best gaming podcast list. It's a 20 best podcast overall. And we're in with some really amazing company, including podcasts from Crooked Media, one of my favorite producers of podcasts, and NPR, the number one podcast producer in the country. And... 
Earwolf, who also has a ton of amazing podcasts. So there's a lot of great shows on that list. When I showed it to my husband, he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I listen to those shows. What, what's your show doing on that list? And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I know. Hello. I know. Generally, Jalen, we make like top 10 podcasts for teens. I mean, not always. We've made some really good like other podcast list but recently the joke has been you know we're usually like top shows for teenagers or top shows for your teenage daughters so when <laughs> I saw this I was like okay like what what's the little like micro like what, what, what what's wrong about this you know what I mean but it was actually like a legitimate shout out about all podcasts yeah that's amazing. Congrats, y'all. Thanks, thanks. Thanks. We're pumped. So, and it's all because of everybody out there listening and who's supported the show. We say all the time that if you don't have a dollar or two to throw our way on Patreon, all we would ask is for a few minutes of your time to leave a five-star podcast review. It goes such a long way in helping new people discover and find our show. So thank you to everybody who has taken the time to do that. And if you've been kind of thinking about doing it and still haven't done it and you're like you know what this week I'm gonna make it my week to go and leave a review we are so grateful and thank you in advance for your consideration so let's get into the news the Animal Crossing's Nintendo Direct so I'm not gonna go through every single piece of this Direct because boy oh boy did they jam pack it with a ton of new stuff so I think what I would love to do is, Jay, ask you, was there something from the Direct that you were like, yes, this is the thing I'm most excited about? Ooh, how to choose. I think I think the thing that really kind of surprised me in terms of my own reaction was, so I'm kind of a nerd and I like read the blog mm -hmm. post first and I read the like accent walls and like ceiling light thing and I was like, Okay, sure, whatever. And then I saw the video and I was like, oh, wait, no, <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> um, like the like lighting is like a game changer with like ceiling yeah, lights ceiling and light. stuff. I know. <laughs> so I think that was like the thing that I was most like, oh, wait, what? That's actually super cool, even though it doesn't sound like the most revolutionary thing. But that's what's so great about Animal Crossing is that those little design elements are really what hook you and keep you coming back to keep customizing and customizing and customizing. I'm with you that I think some of the things are throwaway. I, I believe I tweeted that it's neat that they are allowing Sable's custom designs to be used as clothing, but the deep bench of UGC content, user-generated content that you can get through the online connectivity just blows that out of the water. So like, cool, I can put Sable's plaid on my shirt, but you can get such interesting <laughs> custom plaids from different creators out there in the community, which I think is clearly where power users are are playing anyway. Um, I really like the idea of cooking and recipes, but I am going to real talk it. I'm probably just going to plant a really cute farm and have a really cute farm on my island and then probably never harvest any of it. <laughs> oh, goodness. That homegrown food, though, Andrea. I know. I can have, like, carrots and stuff. But, like, okay, so here's the thing, Jay. like I have been following Animal Crossing through Andrea's very uh, – extreme journey as of late so what's what's the point of cooking though like why do you want to cook an animal crossing uh, uh, <laughs> See? i i think something happens when you eat stuff you get like strong and you can like 
bust up things. I know you can eat like fruit, so I don't know if there's actually an effect to eating food. What I was most excited about cooking, one, I just like recipes. I like the whole mechanic of like collecting the things that you need and then getting to like make something out of it. That feels very satisfying and fulfilling to me. I also, um, Previ- like currently you can take some kitchen items and customize them to have different foods in them so I like like laying out my kitchen or laying out a picnic spread with like the foods that I picked out and customized um, and so I feel like this will be an extension of that where you can actually like cook the foods that you want to cook and like lay them out and, and place them and stuff like that. It's just oh, for cute. more decorating, Brittany. Okay, yeah. So, you can, so you can elevate your outdoor pizza parlor like I have yes. on my island. Or I can add cheese plates to my wine bar that's also on my island. Or, you know, I have a little Mediterranean restaurant by the beach. I can put mm. some stuff over there, too. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I, I <laughs> Listen, I play like Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons, Farming Sims. I do a lot of shit that's pointless as well. I get it. (laughs) I understand. But what's up with this froggy chair that everyone's losing their mind about? I don't know why it's um, it's such a big thing. So I'm going to pull up this article that you linked from Polygon that says, 19 months later, Animal Crossing New Horizons finally gets its froggy chair. Um, And so apparently it says the froggy furniture reveal was tucked into a separate feature announcement during Friday's Animal Crossing Direct, navigating tight spaces in your villager's home. That's a nice quality of life improvement. Um, New Horizons free November update is full of such tweaks, but the long awaited inclusion of the smiling green frog themed chair is what will likely have many fans salivating for the next update. It's part of the larger Froggy set, which has appeared in past Animal Crossing games, including Wild World, City Folk, and New Leaf. Its apparent exclusion from New Horizons sent longtime Animal Crossing fans into a tizzy, forcing them to DIY their own Froggy chair customization oh, no. or rationalize that other pieces of furniture could hold a candle to that frog's I cuteness. I love this so much. <laughs> Everyone in a tizzy about need. the Froggy chair missing from New Horizons. <laughs> Jay, are you going to get the froggy chair? Is it going to complete your house in Animal Crossing? I don't think I caught the froggy chair meme train, so I don't... I do think it is adorable. I love frogs, so I get it. But um, I I don't think I I missed the tizzy that everyone else got swept (laughs) up in. I also missed the tizzy, but I have Henry on my island, who is one of my favorite villagers. He's just lovely, and so I feel like I have to get a froggy chair just to give to him as a gift and hopefully yeah. he'll put it in his house um he's a little frog for everybody who's listening being like who's henry what is he he's a he's an adorable little frog that sings um and i love him he's adorable but the big thing that nintendo was pushing for this free update of course was brewster and the return of the roost which you can access through the museum and then of course new customizations and decorating i did think the gyroid collecting looked interesting um, these little things that you can dig up from around your island and customize, which I mean, this is quite a lot for a free update. But they did very clearly say the gravy train has come to an end. This will be the last free thing that we give you guys from here on out. It's going to be paid DLC with the first expansion that is coming. And I am on the fence with how I feel about this first expansion. So the cost is, it looks like forty nine ninety nine, which is 
a lot. So that's the cost of the Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack, right? That gets you the DLC, or you can buy it separately for, I think I saw $24. Oh, is it? Oh, $24.99 yeah, the- on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's if you get the game. I just misread where that was in the in the yeah, bullet yeah, points yeah. here in the show notes. That's on me. Um, so $25 is the expansion price. And what you essentially are going to get is these quests to de- design different houses and islands per your customers. It's like you're an interior and exterior designer. You're basically, you're an HGTV host and (laughs) you're going to have clients that are going to be like, I want you to make me a purple plaid house and and you have to, you know, accommodate their wishes. And that's essentially the elevator pitch for what this expansion is. Obviously a little bit more involved than that. But I had kind of made a comment while the direct was happening that my frustration with this style of expansion comes back to my continued gripe about the RNG nature of the DIY recipes on Animal Crossing and how when they showed this part of the direct, I got so excited by all the different furniture and the plants and Mm. all of the decor items Mm. that were inside the expansion. And then I was like, I'm probably not going to be able to get any of that stuff and actually use it on my actual island. And that's why my continued frustration with Animal Crossing is that I just want a way to be able to unlock all of the recipes. I appreciate that they are allowing people to now customize the items that you buy with Nook Mile um, Nook Miles mm. because you know you were always limited to what your airport color was. And now they're, they're going to put... Um, a station where you can go with with Cyrus, right? Um, where you can go and he can customize those things. But I still can't build the things I don't have recipes for. And there's just no way for me to get them. There's a lot of it. They're like, oh, you have to grind for it, but it either has to drop from a balloon or you just have to get lucky that your villager is going to be like making that thing that one day that you check in on them. And it's just so frustrating. Jay, do you feel my frustration? Or are you just like, no, nah, I'm happy with what the recipes I got? Yeah, I... I, I also feel the frustration of like, I think it, I think partially the reason they do that is because they want you to trade with other people and encourage like the social element of the game, which is, uh, I would say like this, this Animal Crossing is probably the most social one that they've done. Um, so I understand that, that part of it. Um, I do tend to be like more of a completionist, but I think Animal Crossing is such a giant vast game that it kind of makes it impossible <laughs> or at least within my own capacity to to complete and collect you know 100% this game um so i think the impossibility of it makes me feel a little more at peace of like it's okay i will just take whatever i like comes to me <laughs> and um things that i have duplicates i can pass to my friends and Uh, friends can pass to me and hopefully I'll get the thing that I want eventually. My museum is never going to get full of art. It's like red just keeps bringing me the same stuff. Never Mm going to get it. I can time travel to get fish. I I got my bug collection. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But like for the life of me, I can't get an iron garden bench DIY (laughs) recipe. Oh no. I'm trying to get, you go to Nookazon and it's a hundred thousand Nook Mile tickets. 
Like, yeah. wow. I'm like, no, that would clean me out of literally all of my Nook miles just to get this mm-hmm. one recipe. And I'm like, the inflation on Nookazon is just uh, outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love this. I just have so much fun kicking back and listening to these problems from Animal Crossing. (laughs) Between this and Andrea's woes with Destiny, it's just the entertainment never ceases over here. Oh, you guys haven't heard me talk about Destiny in a while because I can't play it because baby. But um, it's yeah, it's my new thing to rage about. But I haven't. I did boot. It was funny. I booted up Animal Crossing after the direct just uh-huh. to have my character come out of my house because I hadn't logged in in like a month. You know, shake, yeah. shake the hair out. Mm-hmm. And then I just like put it down to go do something else. <laughs> Still haven't picked it back up. Oh, no. <laughs> I was trying. I was like, I I'm going to decorate for Halloween. I have all this cool Halloween mm. stuff in my inventory. Let's go. I saw but. someone post on Twitter that they had just booted up their island and they stepped outside their house and was talking to their little villagers. And someone was like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in seven months. If I said something to make you upset, I'm so <laughs> yeah. sorry. The guilt. The yeah. absolute <laughs> guilt. That's why I haven't started mine up in probably, oh, gosh, over a year. I don't even know. And I'm scared, too, because I don't want to get guilt tripped. I just transferred <laughs> everything from my old Switch to the new one. I'm not even bothering with my Animal Crossing Island save. I need a new fresh start. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. One, of, one of my villagers was like, yeah, I haven't like seen you in like 10 months. I know last time we talked, I like hadn't really showered. So like, I'm, but I promise <laughs> I'm totally on my shower game now. Like I'm showering. I definitely am taking a bath so it won't happen again. And I was like, oh, oh no. That's so <laughs> But to be fair, it is a lot less stressful knowing that um, your villagers can't leave when you're gone like they used to in past Animal Crossing games. I think I have mixed feelings about that. I do have some like peace of like, whew, I get to keep the ones that I want. But I do, I also did appreciate kind of uh, in, in past games when they just, some people just move on and don't ask for your permission and... Uh, I don't know. It, that kind of felt real, too. Like, some people, even if you like them a lot, just move on from your life or your city, and you don't get to control that, and uh, that's just part of it. So, um, I don't know. Mixed feelings, but it is it is nice that all my all my friends are still there. Waiting yeah. We're, if Raymond left my island without talking to me first, <laughs> I'd be heartbroken. Raymond, yeah. no. You've been they write you letters. Yeah, they can write you letters. Islander, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right we are done talking about animal crossing i could keep going on and on but we have other news that i would like to talk about so we can get on to the rest of the show so i want to talk about this briefly because it caused quite a hubbub and it was also announced during the animal crossing direct so nintendo switch online and expansion pack release date and pricing revealed so nintendo has confirmed that the nintendo switch online plus expansion pack will officially launch on October 25th, 2021. The membership, which will give Switch owners access to N64 and Sega games alongside Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise DLC, will cost $49.99 a year, a $30 increase from the standard membership. If you have other Switch owners in your family, a family membership, which can support up to eight Nintendo account holders, will cost $79.99 for 12 months. No really, okay, they actually gave a release date. That's old information. For comparison, the current Nintendo Switch Online membership costs $3.99 for one month, $7.99 for three months, and $19.99 for 12 months. A family membership costs $34.99 for 12 months. So yeah, this gets you N64 games, it gets you some Sega games, and it gets you the Animal Crossing DLC. So... What I would love to hear from you two is what do you think about this pricing? Because I get it. Like, I think it all comes down to 
how much value you put in play in N64 and Sega games and the ability to do that. Some folks think it's a little too high. Some are like me and are like, you know what? I will give my left ovary for a chance to play Ocarina of Time. Like, you know, it's just like one of those things, like what, how much do you know value do you put into that? So I read an article because I think it's important to learn other people's opinions from Screen Rant and it's titled Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack is Too Expensive. And the points that they bring up, I mean, are valid. They're absolutely valid. It's that, you know, this new tier is more than double the price of the base Nintendo Switch online subscription without adding much more to consumers. They go on to say that the Nintendo Switch online offerings are old and archaic. That's fair. And now that it's only $10 less per year than both PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold, which gives you a lot more features. So anyway, now that I've laid all that out there, what do you all think? I agree that it is featuring a lot of old games and that Nintendo could do better. I also think it's frustrating that Nintendo doesn't just fully open up their library and charge a competitive price, right? Like we've seen the success of Xbox Game Pass and how people really gravitate towards that and are happy to spend that much money. Clearly, you know, we don't have new numbers, but the last reported numbers for Xbox Game Pass, I believe, was 18 million users. Yeah. And that is a ton of people paying subscription fees every month for access. And Nintendo, I think, could probably get a lot more people on board to pay if they just gave access to all of their old games and they have them and then not take them away right i think that's another thing that's really frustrating is that they'll put things on there and then they'll take them off for some reason it's like wow i just it's this is an old game this game is 20 years old just leave it on there for you know the end until the end of time but i think nintendo also knows that they can keep charging for the stuff and people will pay for it over and over and over again and i can't really blame them for protecting their business and saying if we can make money off of this we're gonna it just kind of sucks as a gamer who has to make choices about where you spend your dollars that they aren't a little bit more pro-consumer friendly. Totally fair. Yeah, and that's, I think, the the position I'm in. It's, you know, I've been wanting to play Ocarina of Time forever on my Switch. I love the N64 library. I hope it gets expanded as the time goes on. Uh, but, you know, what's my other option at this point? Like right now, you know, I'm paying for the $20 a year individual plan. So I, I did some math and it's about an extra $2.50 a month as to what I'm on top of what I'm already paying to get access to the N64 games and to get access to the Sega games. And to me, like that justifies it. That's I'm happy to pay that if I have access to those that library of games. But so it's like you're not really left with much of a choice. Nintendo has just historically made it very difficult to get at, to have access to those older games. And when they do have an awesome library, I think of like the, the old games they had on the Wii U and even the Wii. Like you said, Andrew, they don't bring them with them. And so you're just like, er, that's why the emulating is just so bad. And it's, you know, you always see stories of Nintendo shutting websites down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so for me, yeah, like it's hard because I, I will absolutely pay that price because I want those games. But I, I agree. It's, it's a flawed system. But. Jay, how do you feel about it? Um, I don't know that I have a strong like value judgment on this. I'm I don't think I'm kind of the target for these things. I I'm not really like a subscription games person. I just haven't really gotten into that. Um, and I also tend to really like, especially for like consoles like Switch and stuff, really like having the physical copies of things. So I'm very far removed from even like owning digital copies. I, I like to have the physical version. Um, and so this definitely feels very 
removed from like the way that I like to like have and, and collect and play games. Um, I think what I would struggle with with a with a subscription is that um, I'm I'm pr- not a super consistent gamer. There's not like a a game or a type of game that I like consistently play all the time every day. I tend to like jump around and play a bunch of different types of games, like older games, newer games, indie games, um, and stuff like that. So I, it's hard for me to see myself playing paying for like a year subscription to something when I don't know that I'm gonna be playing from this library constantly. You know? Yeah, that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fair. I was like you. I. I used to only want physical goods, and then I was a very unorganized human. <laughs> and then I started losing everything. So now I've succumbed to the digital the digital world, if you will. But I appreciate the physical hustle. It's not easy. Yeah, it's... <laughs> There's so many things I could say about Brittany's physical games collection. <laughs> um, it it yeah. used to take up, like, three rooms in her house. Oh, wow. Uh, and then she had to make a room for another human. Um Anywho, I love that yeah. you collect stuff, Brittany. I, I'm with you that digital is just this thing that just keeps coming at us and you kind of have to assimilate, right? Like it's mm-hmm. as much as I love that there's still a collector's market with steel books and now we have all these gaming vinyls that are everywhere and there's still collector's editions and things like that. I think, you know, you have to ask like, what, the, what is the value proposition there? And I mm-hmm. think you both bring up good points of like, it either matters to you or it doesn't. And as Brittany has displayed, she is exactly the reason why Nintendo keeps, <laughs> keeps charging <Yep>. because <laughs> I am. people are like, I but am. I really like this thing and I'm going to keep paying for it. So like, I'm mad about it, but I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll cry while I'll give you my money. I don't care. I mean, what the heck? Am I supposed to keep my Wii yeah. U plugged in? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, it's like me with Apple products, right? Like every year I get the new iPhone because I want the new camera and I want the (laughs) slightly faster thing. And now I have to buy this fancy new MacBook. Did either of you see the Apple event this week where they unveiled this new like super chip that they created with Apple Silicon? Mm. I saw the prices of some of the models people were piecing together and I was like, hot damn. (laughs) Yeah, no, so the, the, the MacBook, the macbook pro i put together the 14 inch model by the way not even the big boy not even the 16 inch uh with the ssd that i want and Mm -hmm. the super chip is like 3500 dollars, and i'm like guess i'm not getting that one (laughs) my god i'm like i'm like this production pc barely costs that much i mean and this is like the beefiest pc i've ever made so i like yeah for a, for a laptop, but they're touting it as the most powerful notebook ever created. So, well, right. oh, sorry, I went on a little t- tangent there. I know this isn't a tech show, but I have spent every E3 editing what's good games on my laptop, and so mm. production is important. And maybe someday I will edit what's good games at E3 again. Oh yes. man! Ooh, ouch! <laughs> someday, <laughs> oh, uh. tear. All right, let's move on to In Case You Missed It. In Case You Missed It, God of War is coming to PC on January 14th for $49.99. And according to IGN, it has enhanced visuals, unlocked frame rates, 4K resolution options, NVIDIA DLSS and Reflex support, and the game's going to support multiple controllers as well as mouse and keyboard. And it includes 21x9 ultra widescreen support. Plus, congratulations to Sony Santa Monica for selling 19.5 million copies to date. 
impressive. Sounds kind of like the superior way to play God of War with all that fancy tech talk that you just threw in there. I mean, the game looked gorgeous on PlayStation 4. So it obviously looks good on PS5 as well. I can't even imagine with unlocked oh. frame rates and 4K resolution what it's going to look like on PC. It's going to be like eye-popping. You can count all the pores on every human's face or God's face. The snow is going to be extra crunchy. Oh, that that is the most impressive snow I've seen in any game in God of War is snow. I might have to play this just for the snow. Not even joking. Jay, did you did you get into God of War at all? No, I I don't I don't play a lot of like first person or third person games where you have to move the camera around because I get motion sick. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel you. That is not an uncommon issue at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Well, if you ever catch a VOD of it of somebody else playing, mm. I hope you enjoy. It's one of my favorite games of all time, and I'm very excited for Ragnarok whenever that game comes out. I believe next year, right? They said 2022? Yes. Fall? Fingers crossed. Speaking of games not coming out till 2022. Oh! Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed yet again. Man. The game's long-awaited PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X versions will now not launch until the first quarter of 2022. CD Projekt Red has now said an exact new date was not given. And The Witcher 3's PS5 and Xbox Series X and S versions will now arrive even later, currently the second quarter of next year. I... I don't even know why they're putting windows on. I would just write a message saying, this shit's hard. It's not happening right now. We're delaying. We'll let you know when it's coming. We'll we'll let you know when it's ready, booze. Yeah. I mean, I did appreciate that this notification wasn't set in a neon yellow background. (laughs) Yes. Just put it all white. (laughs) Just plain white background. Thank you very much. I mean, this is... obviously there's fatigue with this like whatever at this point it's come it's gone i know andrew you haven't played it i think jay you probably won't play this because it is first person but andrew like what's are you still gonna play this someday or are you just kind of like over it before it even like happened you know like i don't know i don't know now if i'm gonna go back and and bother i want to because i think that cd project red as a studio has shown that they have a long tail commitment to their titles and they keep adding content and developing, but they've been so underwater just trying to get the game playable and fix it that we haven't really heard anything from them about post-launch content because they're like, yo, we just need to get these versions out the door before we even talk about expansions. But they spent so much time and money building Night City and building the world of cyberpunk 2077 that i have to imagine that i'm gonna want to go back and explore it because when i've seen other people playing it it looks really interesting and i like the first person i like that you can have these three different paths and i like that you know the narrative really takes you places and i'm really intrigued by the gameplay but i just got so turned off by how broken the game was at launch and i was like Mm -hmm. really looking forward to the playstation 5 version or you know the xbox series x version but now that it's not coming out until next year when there's just so much other stuff happening in 2022 particularly in the first quarter of the year that i'm like how am i gonna make time to play cyberpunk when there's all these other new games to play and 
you know, am I going to care about it? So it's really a toss up for me on if I'm going to go back to cyberpunk or not. Can I say something about this, like, just industry trend? Obviously, I don't work here, don't have any inside information and know exactly what's going on with them. But um, as we know, like, crunch is such an issue in the games industry and all of this mandatory overtime, both uh, imposed, like, by bosses, like, you have to work this much. And, like, kind of implicitly imposed, but not said out loud of just the expectations of, like, you should be grateful to work here so you better work your ass off can we cuss sorry yes um, of course yeah. you can yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um and so part of what happens when you when you have crunch so built into your workplace is that it really destroys your ability to estimate how long things actually take right there's of course also a human cost but um for example it, just to simplify numbers if there's something that takes a thousand hours to do, right? You estimate that it takes a thousand hours to do, right? So that's the deadline you set. Your workers actually work maybe 1500 hours with crunch. Maybe they tell you, maybe they don't, but they're working more than they like t- technically should um, to get that done, to meet that deadline. Um, and so then you have something that you think took a thousand hours, but actually took like 1500. And so then when you plan the next project, you're like, okay, well, that's just a 1,000 hour task. And I want to build on top of that, right? So let's do this 2,000 hour task, but that's actually going to take 3,000 hours or 4,000 hours. And there's just kind of this compounding effect to where these deadlines and these working conditions really viciously just destroy each other so that it becomes really toxic and impossible to meet deadlines and the crunch just gets worse and worse the more you let it go out of control and that's what we've seen happen in a lot of workplaces again i don't i don't know exactly what's happening with this particular game but this is a trend we see in the industry and one of the business side reasons of why crunch is so bad of course there is also the human burnout cost in all of that as well it's a really good point i'm glad that you brought it up it's tough when you don't get a full picture from developers about what they're facing and what they're going through. And it's been an interesting conversation about crunch because we have seen both sides of the coin. People come forward and say, I actually crunch because I'm a creative and I want to crunch. And when I get my creative juices flowing, I want to strike while the iron is hot or whatever, you know, euphemism you want to use about, you know, really kind of working while you have that motivation and that inspiration. And then you also hear from the other side of people saying, I'm so burnt out from being overworked that, you know, my mental health is suffering, my physical health is suffering, my relationships are suffering. And it's like, well, there's got to be a better way to, you know, empower creatives that want to work to work and then also making sure that people know that they aren't forced into working forced overtime Mm -hmm. is like the worst thing ever just the just the idea of forcing somebody into something just sounds icky and gross right and we don't want that and we want people to be happy and healthy in their jobs and and while the video game industry does have a lot of competition and that's why i think really drives these leaders in the industry to 
put their workers in a crunch as you said like you should be so privileged to work here that you know how dare you make a complaint about crunch <laughs> um i think that's a, such an unhealthy way of looking at it and saying you know we should instead obviously celebrate that working in games is a really cool job for the most part but also we have to take care of people and make sure that the talented people who are here don't leave because we've pushed them out because we've overworked them and burnt them out so uh, a very great point to bring up and thank you for doing so mm -hmm. but hopefully they have gotten their ducks in a row over there at cd project red and I, i'd say at this point you know you've delayed it this far just keep delaying it if you need to just like take your time like I said, don't put a date on it. Just, you know, work on it. And when it's ready, it's ready. And people will play or they won't. You've already made your money. They've sold over, what, over 13 million copies? I would guess over 15 million by this point. They're fine. They're fine. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about what we've been playing. But before we do that, a couple messages from our sponsors. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Felix Gray. Felix Grey are the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Grey set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. Since then, Felix Grey has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Whether you're heading back to the office, back to school, or back to whatever, you can count on Felix Grey. Their lenses filter 15 times more of the most important blue light sources that are in and around your daily life. It could be your cell phone, your computer screens, your tablets, your television, even certain LED lights light bulbs emit blue light. It's everywhere. And it can cause a whole range of terrible symptoms from eye strain, soreness, dryness, headaches, even lack of attentiveness. You don't want that in your life. Get those blue light sources under control with the blue light lenses that filter 15 times more light by visiting felixgrayglasses.com slash games. They have a ton of frames to choose from. You can get them in both prescription and non-prescription lenses, and they're really easy and comfortable to wear. Start saving your eye strain, guys. Check them out now at felixgrayglasses.com slash games. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash games for free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges. felixgrayglasses.com slash games so they know What's Good Games sent you. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Postmates. Mmm, do you smell that? It's Chipotle, my friends, my favorite. The new steak brisket, the queso blanco. Mm. But the best part, that it showed up at my door because I ordered it with Postmates. Seriously, I've been getting Chipotle like four days a week, not even lying. So with Postmates, I get all of my favorite foods from the local restaurants in my neighborhood delivered, no leaving the house, and even better, no getting in the car or finding a parking spot. Difficult when you have a five-month-old. And Postmates isn't all just burritos and sushi. I can order things like toothpaste and phone chargers on demand as well. That's because places like Walgreens and 7-Eleven are also on Postmates. And my favorite part is when the app lets me know that my food or items have been delivered. Everything is right outside my door, which never gets old. You know, if you have a sleeping baby on you, you don't want to get up prematurely. So just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorite foods or that one thing you forgot to get from the store, and get it delivered on demand. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving just our listeners a little something. New customers will get 50% off of your first five orders of $50 or more when you use code What's Good. 
That's code what's good to get 50% off of your first five orders of $50 or more. Max savings of $100 per order. Just download the Postmates app or sign up online. It's super easy. Offer is subject to change and taxes and fees apply. Offer valid for 30 days after you add the promo code to your account. Okay, let's talk about what we've been playing. Brit, you I have a disclaimer. Yeah, I you do. have a disclaimer and that's about it. <laughs> that's it. I can't talk about what I'm playing just yet. And that's it. That's it for the, me this week, ladies and gentlemen. Teasers, Thanks everybody. <laughs> Teasers that things are happening in the future with what Brit is playing. Um, we're getting into that season, everybody, where there's going to be a lot of releases coming up and we're going to do our best to try to tackle as many of them as we can. Obviously, it's just a few of us, but um, we hope that you guys will let us know if there's any particular games in this fall release busy window that you would like us to talk about more than others. Of course, you can always tweet to us at what's good underscore games, or you can email us, contact what's good games.com, or of course, message us at patreon.com slash what's good games. So I guess I could talk more about Back for Blood, but we really went over that last week with Rihanna and Danny, and I got a couple more sessions in with them, and I've been having a good time, having more fun than I did in the first run. Obviously, the more stuff you unlock, the more powerful you feel, the the better you're going to go. And I did watch a guide from our friends over at Game Ranks and oh. about 10 things you need to know about, uh, about playing Back for Blood, which was very helpful. So thanks, Game Ranks. You're the best. Would you say that your impression of the game has increased? Is it better? Yes. Are you Okay, that's good. Yes, better. I think like any multiplayer game that has a progression loop, the more you play, the more fun it becomes because you get better at it, right? It's almost Mm -hmm. like when you practice something, you get good at it. (laughs) So I think that's the way it is with almost any multiplayer, particularly one that's combat focused, an action game like Back for Blood is. And I'm, you know, you learn more about how to, which weapons you want to use. And we got a really good crew going when we were playing with our friend, um, Jeff Rubenstein. Uh, from mm-hmm. Xbox, and we all picked a different weapon so we could split the ammo boxes because it's tough when everyone's using a rifle and there's only so many rifle ammo dumps, <laughs> and then it's like everyone's out of ammo all the time. And so one person was on SMG, two people were on rifles, and then I was on shotgun, and it actually worked out really well. I do want to get good with a sniper because it feels like nobody is playing sniper and the people that I play with in that game, and I feel like I would always have ammo at all of the ammo drops because nobody takes it. But playing with a sniper sniper. is tough in that game. (laughs) I was just going to say, that's what I was like scratching my beard that doesn't exist. I was like, man, that sounds like that would be kind of tough because it's so hectic and there's so many heads to pop. And I guess unless you're like specifically pulling it out for bosses when you're like in the back or something. Yeah. For like crit points and things like that. Yeah. For sure. And I love that style of gameplay. I really do enjoy sniping when I, especially if I'm in a co-op situation, but I just haven't had the time to practice <sighs> someday i'll get my time back but we were talking <laughs> Brittany, Brittany laughs and every parent out there is laughing along with her that someday oh. is uh, 20 years from now uh, <laughs> tears um but we were talking a little bit before the show and during the animal crossing segment about revisiting animal crossing new horizons so jay you have been playing How's it been booting your island back up? I mean, you mentioned about potentially yeah. turfing everything and starting over. A little bit, yeah. Um, I yeah, it had been ten months, like I'd said, since picking it back up. 
Um, and it's nice because I think I feel a little less precious about everything because it's been so long. And so now I'm like, all right, let's let's tear this up. Oh, it's going to be like 50K to move this house. Let's do it. And like not feeling as like, ooh, but should I save it? And should I, what you know, and be really careful about things. Um, so that's kind of refreshing to just be like, no, let's do it. Um, I'm trying to like, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to like, I'm envisioning this kind of like community center because I have a few um, villagers who have themed houses that are kind of strange, like, um Eunice she has like a laundromat kind of themed house she just has a lot of laundry machines like lining her house and so um I was like I don't know maybe I could like make a little square that has all these houses that have like kind of communal function and I don't know it kind of be a square and I was thinking of remodeling my house to be kind of a community center like it could have a little like sports workout room and like a classroom or a library or something like that yeah so that's my vision right now that's what I'm trying to work on (laughs) it's so exciting the idea of potentially starting over now I unfortunately have read a couple friends of mine lost their saves oh no one friend yeah. lost her save in the oled transfer which i'm like mm-hmm. definitely afraid of and then another friend somehow accidentally deleted his island and i just like that's like the fear right like mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of hours my other friend had a thousand hours into her island and then she lost it oh no and i'm just like do i do i dare yeah but i've seen some people talking about instead of you know, starting with a fresh account, just completely terraforming their island back to nothing and then starting over, but with all of their materials, like with all of their mats and their inventory and their recipes and things like that. And that and your to villagers. Me sounds, yes. That to me sounds That's, exciting about like, what if I just got rid of everything? And I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about doing ooh. that too. Okay. Are you going to sell your old switch, Andrea? Because couldn't you technically keep your old switch for Animal Crossing? And then just create like a new. Oh, you'd have to create a new account on your OLED. Never mind. That would be that gets kind of messy. Well, I've thought about doing that. Honestly, I've thought oh. about using either John's account or creating a second account for myself, so that way I can just pass my items back and forth between my two islands. Oh, and that way I don't have to worry about potentially losing my island. I could just create a new island from scratch. But then I could just dump all of the things that I got in my old island onto my new one. But as Jay mentioned, the villagers is is the thing there. I do have yeah. some amiibo cards um, that, and that's a really handy way to get the vi- villagers you want. But there's some villagers that don't have amiibo cards, and they're kind of the rare ones. And the only mm-hmm. way to kind of trick into getting those is to wait until they say they're going to move out on a move yeah yeah and then you have to then somebody can come over and talk to them and then they'll be like oh, oh maybe i'm gonna go move to that person's island but and that's how you can buy villagers like on nookazon but yeah it's kind of it's all it's all gaming the system <laughs> but yeah I, I just think about all the time i've put in and I'm like well do i want to go back to that but it is really relaxing and it's really easy to just press pause set it down walk away and come back to it whenever i want like it was during the summer the first summer of the pandemic i talked about this a lot on the show that game i think is what single-handedly kept me sane in the beginning of the pandemic i would go outside 
and sit in my backyard with my switch and my cup of coffee and I would just play Animal Crossing for an hour every morning. And then in the, on the weekends when I wasn't working, I would just play all day long and just sit there outside by myself and play and play Animal Crossing. Um, and it really was something that was therapeutic for me. And I never imagined myself getting into Animal Crossing. Jay, I don't know if you've heard on the show before that this is my first Animal Crossing. I never played Animal Crossing before this game. And Brittany and Steimer at the beginning were playing and they're like, oh, you should check it out. Except Steimer was like, you're going to hate it. I don't know why <laughs> you want to get into Animal Crossing. And then uh, here I am, you know, nearly 800 hours later. <laughs> yeah. Bonkers. Yeah. I, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I've, I've played Animal Crossing. Um, I've played many iterations of it and, um, they they do good on some of them. They flub some of them, but this one definitely they really hit it out of the park. So I'm glad. Welcome to the Animal Crossing family. Thank I'm you. glad you like it, and I'm glad it's something that really was like grounding for you in this time of distress. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But you're playing some other games. It looks like you're playing Hyperlight Drifter, and is it Avicii and Vector? Yeah, Avicii and Vector. Oh, so Avicii like the DJ. Yeah. Um, so kind of what, what I'm doing right now is I have this huge backlog of games that I've just like bought over the years and collected or gotten in bundles or it was on sale or something. And it's just, it's really growing. It's really getting out of control. Um, so I was like, what do I, what do I do about this? I think I try to save them for like the right time to play it, but I'm like, I already own these games. I already want to play them. Why am I, I spend so much time like looking for like, what should I play next? With like, you look at this, a shameful pile of games oh, that you've collected. Oh, it's not how it goes. It's like, yeah. I have nothing to wear. I, I know, to exactly. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing to eat in this house. Um, and <laughs> so, um, my friend, uh, introduced me to this, this library organizer called play night and it just like consolidates all of your libraries. And then you can like organize and tag all of the games across all of your libraries. Oh, and so ooh. that has been really, really useful. And that has enabled me to actually like, okay, what do I actually want to play? And then when it's time to play, just play one. It has a feature even that like you press a button and it chooses a random game for you. And that's it's like, all right, I'm going to play that. Um, so yeah, so through that, with that preamble, um, Avicii Vector and Hyperlight Drifter are some like indie games that I've had for a really long time. I've heard so many great things about Hyperlight Drifter. It's so beautiful. I would totally love it. I just never played it. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, I really like that the main character is sick. I feel like sick characters in games are usually like the dying wife or the old man that you're going to go out and help or, or like get the cure for. But this one, like the main protagonist, the hero is is sick and like is coughing up blood as you're going around fighting. And I think that's really cool that like, I don't know, a hero doesn't have to be in perfect health or are totally able-bodied. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying that. And then Avicii and Vector is this uh, rhythm game. It is uh, about Av Avicii, the DJ, um, who died by suicide uh, a handful of years ago. Um, this game was released after uh, his death. Um, his parents created a foundation afterwards that was like about suicide prevention and mental health. 
and stuff. And um, that foundation funded the creation of this game. So in many ways, it's kind of a, a memorial and a and an homage to him. And I really liked Avicii's music for a lot of my life. And um, I also, of course, care a lot about mental health. So it feels like a really precious little gem. It's also a really good game. It's a it's a very spaceshipy kind of rhythm game. Um, but I like that the like maps change in these really like creative ways. And it's just the base game is just 25 Avicii songs. And that's it, which is pretty different than a lot of rhythm games tend to have like hundreds and dozens and dozens of songs. And so it feels very contained in this way that a lot of rhythm games don't. So it's really cohesive. It's just 25 songs and um, it's really beautiful and it's really well mapped. So I'm, yeah, uh, thanks for playing some of it. It's, it's just so pretty. I uh, have I'm, no I'm idea really, this really game existed it. and I'm Sweet. so excited to check this out. I also am a big fan of Avicii's music and was super devastated by much of the EDM community when, you know, mm -hmm. news of him taking his life, you know, got out there and it was just so heartbreaking, like a life, a life lost so soon from such right. a talented person. And I can't believe I missed this. I'm like, I love music and rhythm games. This looks, looks like my jam. It kind of looks like a cross between thumper and rock band, right? Kind of a little bit, a little bit of both. Yeah. But, but you said it's good and you've been playing it? I, I've really loved it. it. I think this the graphics are really stunning. Um, the maps are really well done. And it's just, it's so much fun. And it's all his music. So I love all the songs, which also isn't true of every rhythm game, right? Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. Nice. That's awesome. Well, now I have to add something to my backlog list. <laughs> I did well, see that, that it came program? to Google Stadia earlier this year. So if you guys have oh. Stadia, it might be a oh. place to check it out. Stadia. What was the name of that program again, Jay, that you're talking about? That Which one? Your, oh, your uh, yeah. Play Night, like N-I-T-E. Okay. okay. So does that only yeah. work on Steam? Um, no, it's, it's all like Itch.io, Epic, Amazon all of that. I think it's also cross-platform. I think you can also connect like your PlayStation and other things. I haven't tried it, so I don't vouch for that. But um, yeah, it, it works with like all like Origin, Battle.net, all of the libraries. Um, it'll just squish into one. Sweet. That's that's exactly what you need, Brittany. Well, yeah, if I want a project that's going to take me 50 days and 50 nights. <laughs> 50 days and 50 nights. <laughs> that's well, awesome, you know, I really could use that. I could add, use it that. To, add it to your list. It definitely sounds like something that will be helpful to people listening. I didn't know yeah. that, that existed. Yeah. Being organized. And you can do it one by one. You don't have to do them all at once. You can add libraries and, and go from there. I'll remember that when I'm like at the two in the morning. <laughs> Overwhelmed. Like, said, I don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Just one at a time. Um, well, thank you for letting us know what you're playing. Uh, we'll have more hands-on impressions for you guys next week. But now we want to talk to Jay about the Games and Online Harassment Hotline. So I'm going to read just a little blurb from the hotline's website, which is gameshotline.org. It says, the Games and Online Harassment Hotline is a free text message-based confidential 
emotional support hotline. We created the hotline space specifically for the gaming community. Whether you're a player, a developer, a streamer, a competitor, any part of this community, we're here for you. Whether that means offering emotional support or finding the referrals and resources that you need. And then you can read more about the story, but I would love to talk to you, Jay, about your involvement in the hotline and kind of how everything's been going. So we're celebrating your guys' one-year anniversary. Uh, the hotline mm. was launched last year. We had Anita on the show to talk about it last year. And, you know, she reached out and was like, hey, we'd love to celebrate our, our one-year anniversary. Um, and she introduced us to you. And now we get to talk about it. So how how's everything been for the last year running the hotline? Yeah, um, it has been a really, really amazing year. Uh, like you said, we launched last August. Um, so we're still relatively new, but um, over this past year, we have heard really from so many people all across the industry and the games community um, about just a huge variety of topics. It really feels like we have reached people in so many different situations and um, and circumstances where they just needed someone to listen to and and talk about what was going on. So everything from being harassed in game to being harassed more generally online to, you know, fallouts and conflicts within friend communities. Um, and, you know, general like mental health experiences of like dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety and how that mixes in with work or streaming um, or, or friendships and community groups. Uh, we also heard so much from students and developers and other people who work in the industry about um, their experiences with like either toxic workplaces or abuse and like kind of gender based violence or just burnout <laughs> and that crunch that we've been talking about. We've heard a lot. We've heard a lot, a lot of stories about that for sure, too. So I think it's that has felt like the biggest success to us. The fact that we've reached so many different people from so many different backgrounds um, it, in a weird way, we walk this line where we are a pop kind of population or community specific hotline where we are targeting specifically people who make and play games. But at the same time, that group isn't specific at all, right? Like the community is huge and gamers and game makers look so many different ways and have so many different experiences. So I feel like the fact that we've reached so many different people in so many different spaces has felt like a real success. I had no idea that you guys were doing such an umbrella of mm -hmm. of work in the harassment space. Because I think, you know, when we had Anita on the show last year, she didn't really even know, like, how big the scope yeah. was going to get at that time. And I think it's great that you kind of say, hey, you know, we want to be all-encompassing. If you have an issue, we want to be able to help you. And I think that that's awesome. Has there been a specific initiative that you've been driving that you're particularly proud of or something that you guys have done mm. that is a big standout for you? Yeah, I guess one of the one of the big lessons that we had to learn over this year was you know, I, I'm sure Anita talked uh when when she came on about like some of the origins of this, right? Like we we have been hearing for so many years. This is this is not really a secret um that you know, a lot of women, a lot of queer folks, a lot of POC are are harassed and abused in game spaces, and um, that it's it's just it's such a it's a it's an issue that has spanned such a long period of time and and happens in so many different spaces, 
And so when we think about starting starting an online harassment hotline, right? Like, of course, that's that's who we are holding in our heart and and really intentionally making this a very survivor centered space. So when we launched the hotline, we were we made sure to really prepare to be here and able to support those people, right? People who are experiencing harassment and um, people who are marginalized for their identity. What we didn't really expect is uh, that actually we started getting texts from people who had caused harm or caused harassment or been kicked out of a a community or a server or a job um, for something that they had done to someone else. And they were also reaching out and asking for help too. So it definitely was a moment for us when we started, and we started getting those texts pretty early on of like, what do we do with these? Like, do we, how do we support these people? Do we want to support these people? Do we want to turn them away? Um, what, what do we do? And so when we looked at it and when we decided that, you know, we know that harassment and violence exists as part of an ecosystem, that it's a systemic issue, it's a cultural issue, not necessarily an individual issue, right? It's not about bad apples. And so if we really believe that, then especially when these people are being vulnerable and reaching out for help, we want to be here for them too. So we had to really figure out like, okay, how do we have these conversations? How do we support these people in a way that also isn't endorsing what they've done or doesn't encourage them to repeat and instead encourages them to to, you know, believe in change and believe that they can be better and, and really just at least hold that door open. You know, we're not fixing people overnight in general, but um, one thing we can do is is offer space when people are looking for help and hold that door open, hold that possibility open for change instead of slamming it in their face. So yeah, that has been such a journey. <laughs> That's incredibly admirable. You know, Andrea and I have talked a lot on, the, on we've been very public about sometimes we do get those folks who come into our community, you know, and they're, mm. they're obviously to do nothing but really cause harm. And we kind of struggle with the, do we just click a button and mute you and kick you out of the community? Or do we try to have that conversation with you? And I would be fascinated to hear more about how you approach those situations in terms of what resources or, or advice or what you do because that's always been a very fascinating thing about kind of what we do um especially being an all-woman run podcast you know we get kind of that kind of stuff not as often as you would think but when it does happen you know we're more we we would prefer to help those people and turn it into a learning moment and kind of teach like you know there's other people on the other side of the screen right there's a humanity (laughs) disconnect there but i think that's just really cool that's yeah yeah i think yeah definitely oh go ahead yeah, no, I mean, just piggybacking off of what Britt said, it's tough because we, like she mentioned, you know, you want to have an educational moment. Like you mentioned, like, what do we do with these people? Like your gut instinct is to be like GTFO, right? Like mm-hmm. you're being a dick, like we don't want you here. But I've always been of the mind and all of our mods know this because I feel like sometimes I come in to be like, come on now, I know that they were being an asshole and <laughs> it'd be really easy to just ban them. But why don't we give them, you know, a chance to redeem themselves first and then, you know, if they continue to be an asshole, then, you know, you know, GTFO. But I think that's, tough because like like you mentioned there are people out there that come from a systemic environment they are they're taught how to behave and they have to have a way to walk back that learned behavior and now learn a more healthy 
a more inclusive way of thinking to say, hey, you know, what you were doing was harmful. And nobody in your life told you that it was harmful. And now somebody is finally saying, hey, what you're doing is not okay. And I think our gut reaction as human beings is when somebody tells you that you messed up is to get defensive, right? Like everybody does it. We all feel that shame and that embarrassment of like, I am made a mistake and I don't want to be seen like I'm a fuck up. And I think it's really admirable when people who do make those mistakes and who have caused harm take the time and have the personal growth to say, I want to be a better person. I don't want to hurt people. How do I get better and how do I not hurt people? And I think that to me is the most admirable thing when people Mm -hmm. are willing to grow, but we have to allow them to grow. So I love that you guys decided to take your mission and expand it and say it's not just about helping people who have been hurt but also saying to people like how do we then help people who want to fix this systemic loop that they find themselves caught in is there like Brittany asked like is there any kind of advice that you have for people out there that are kind of finding themselves in these positions and going like I want I I feel like I'm part of the problem and I don't want to be anymore Mm mm-hmm yeah. Um, oh, so many, so many juicy things uh, from what y'all said are like sparking for me. Um, I, I really like what you said about shame because, you know, shame, shame can be useful in some ways. Like shame, there's definitely helpful moments where shame comes in. And it's like, ooh, I didn't. That's not what I wanted to do. I want to be better. I. That's not who I see myself. Like, there's a misalignment of like. I, that's not the person I see myself as. And I think, you know, the person I really am would, would not say something like that or would not do something like that. And that is a really useful, that can be a really useful feeling. It's what makes you want to be better and, and want to be more aligned with your own internal values. But there definitely is a tipping point where shame um, kind of does the opposite, right? Of, well, you know, once it gets kind of overloaded, it's like, oh, no, everyone thinks I'm a monster and they think I'm going to be just like garbage forever. And so I guess there's nothing I can do about that. So why would I? So I guess mm-hmm. screw me. Like, I like, why would I why would I change if I didn't believe that I could or didn't believe that it would matter and and think that everyone else also feels that way. And so I think that's what happens a lot of times when we really overload on the shame and, and the labeling of um, of people who have, you know, made mistakes and, and caused harm. I guess in terms of um, if you are someone who has, um, you know, done something that you regret or you're or dealing with consequences um, of, you know, an, an action or some harm that you've caused, really, yeah, starting with that defensiveness that... Um, that feeling of like, oh no, that can't be me. Like I think of myself as a good person and a good person wouldn't like say something like that or wouldn't wouldn't hurt people of really sitting with that feeling, taking a few breaths and saying like, okay, I'm, I'm allowed to feel this way, but also these people are telling me that they experience this as harm. And if I really... If I if it really matters to me that I don't behave this way, then it should matter to me that people are telling me that I've hurt them. And in some ways, I think, um, you know, call outs, of course, can feel really scary and very attacking. But I, I do think in some ways, you know, if someone really believed that you were a total monster and that you were doing this on purpose and trying to hurt people and you wouldn't care, maybe they wouldn't tell you, you know. Uh, sometimes people tell you things because they 
actually can see that like, hey, I think you would want to know that you did this thing and it was kind of fucked up and Mm -hmm. that like, I want you to know that this really hurt me in this way. And part of them believes that you would care and that this would matter to you. And that's, that's why they're telling you. Um, And so, yeah, sitting with that defensiveness and really like taking, just taking a moment to, to sit with that and, and think about it. And then also finding support and seeking somewhere else to process that with, because the person that you've hurt is not always the place where that support should come from. And so diversifying like your support and your networks, um, coming to the games and online harassment hotline, reaching out to other friends or other people in your life um, to really talk about, be vulnerable and say like, hey, so I, I did this thing and it was, it was taken this way and I've really hurt some people and I don't know what to do. Um, and just start there. This is your free therapy session, everybody. <laughs> no, brought shit. to you by the Games and Online Harassment Hotline, courtesy of one Jalen. Um, no, this has been this has been great. I think it's such a powerful thing talking about you know finding the right person to talk about mm. all of this with because it is a really precarious time that we're in. I think this era of internet mob mentality and these internet mobs that go after people with virtual pitchforks is really frightening to a lot of people. And you Mm -hmm. hear a lot about cancel culture and both sides of the story of like, who are we canceling today and how it can really be used as a weapon. Like this idea of like weaponized online harassment and bullying coming from sources that sometimes are really shocking to me because you think Mm. that you know a group of people or a community or even an individual but then you see them targeting somebody and it's like hey like you're now you've now become the thing that we're trying Mm -hmm. to you know dismantle and, and you know kind of rally against and I think that's what's been really disheartening for me kind of watching some of these online dust-ups between groups over the last couple of years. It's been particularly bad, obviously, during the pandemic. We're all, like, isolated even more than we would be normally. Um, But I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on how you guys approach the idea of mob mentality on the Internet and kind of how people can potentially cope with either finding themselves caught up in a mob mentality Mm. or being the target of one. Yeah, I mean, on some level, I get it. You know, a lot of times when people are going on this big, like, shame fest or these call-out, like, brigades, um, a lot of times it's people who have been really disempowered, people who have tried to speak up and tried to change things or try to, you know, say something to address this in a lot of ways and have been totally silenced, totally shut out. So now they're in this place of outrage where this is all I have. All I have is like, I have to make a big scene. I have to make a big, like, I have to be big and loud about this because people don't listen to me and because I've been silenced for so long. And so that is such an understandable reaction to feeling so disempowered, right? Um, so in a lot of ways, I, I get where that comes from and, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily like, I wouldn't shame those people back, <laughs> you know, for, for choosing to, to kind of, uh, choose that avenue, uh, as their expression. 
But at the same time, at least from our perspective at the games hotline, right, we're interested in ending cycles of abuse and breaking these like vicious things that feed each other of like you get harassed, you harass them back and they harass you back and it just kind of gets bigger and bigger. Um, you know, not that, that it's that simple and there's other kind of power factors at play, but you know, we're interested in breaking the cycle. And, and that is, again, looking at that ecosystem. And what we know is that shaming people for for doing something wrong or, or for um, hurting people doesn't work. It, it doesn't change the behavior. Um, and it even even getting someone canceled, even getting them kicked out, it, it often doesn't actually end the harm. It just maybe moves it to a different community or a different place because this person hasn't actually learned or understood what was what was wrong about their behavior, how that harm happened and how they can change or stop it. And so we have a pretty unique role as the games hotline being that we are we're very kind of separate and third party space, right? We're not associated with any companies or spaces or anything. It's really just its own little bubble. And when people reach out to us for help, you know, we can really kind of non-partially just be here and just care for them and, and talk through what they're going through. Because a lot of times the reality is that when harm happens or when something violent happens or whatever it is, um, it actually, that violence actually hurts everyone involved. Of course it hurts the victim. Um, it can impact bystanders. And it does impact the person who, who caused that violence or that harm as well. You know, we, we know from like, um, you know, interviews with folks who have been incarcerated for a really long time or, or even it doesn't matter how long they've been incarcerated, but um, that, you know, people who have caused violence also get PTSD from that violence. Like they, they relive, you know, dreams of, of what happened and feel traumatized by it too and so even on lesser scales I, I really think that's true whether you acknowledge it or not and so if we really want to care about everyone who has been hurt by a situation we also have to care about the the person who caused that harm um and that doesn't mean we're we're throwing away survivors or not caring about that harm as well uh but yeah it it, it really is all part of an ecosystem and um it's, I don't know, it's just the shaming and the, the mobs, they, they are an expression, but they, if you're interested in ending this, this behavior and ending this harm, that isn't what we've seen to be effective. So pragmatic. I, I love it. It's so hard though, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm sure there's people out there listening being like, but why, why do I have to be the one <laughs> to educate them? Why do I have to do the work? Fuck that person. I'm mad, mm -hmm. I'm mad about it, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I, I yeah. get it. Cause I, I think that's the tough part is particularly when it comes to the what's good games community. Cause you know, that's the thing that I'm involved with the most. When I talk to our mods, I always kind of tell them it's not on you to do this work, which is why I usually volunteer myself to do it. Um, mm -hmm. if we have to talk to a troublemaker in our community or if we are looking at potentially kicking somebody out of our community, somebody, particularly it's tough when we have people that have been active in the community who have then mm -hmm. caused harm to other people and we have to then pull them aside and say, hey, like we know that you've been here for a while, but now you've been behaving badly and this is like your chance to like make it right or we're going to have to ask you to leave, you know, and having to have that conversation is tough, right? Like yeah. these are awkward conversations. You're 
you're inevitably going to hurt somebody's feelings. And a lot of times they're happening over text, either on Discord or on email. And so much can get misinterpreted Mm -hmm. when you're just using typing versus having a conversation where you can obviously use your vocal emphasis to convey emotion and feeling. And it's just, there's the, it's a lion mind, like, (laughs) yeah, you know, thing you have to navigate essentially. Yeah, definitely. That's really wonderful to hear that, like, um, hear your, your own experiences with that. And, and I do think it's, it's different, you know, like this is, this is a role that, you know, all the stuff that I was talking about is like, a role that the games hotline is taking but this is by no means saying that like oh if someone really hurts you you have to sit down and educate them no like we're all about agency right like everyone deserves control over their own lives and digital spaces and so you know if if someone is bothering you and you don't want to see them in your space block them ban them like that's that's you should have everyone should have that option um but yeah i think it is it is a a difference in opportunity when it's like oh a random person who just came into the stream today to like yell something versus someone who you maybe have more of a relationship with and and know that like isn't has has good intentions and and would value this space and in this relationship um i think there's different opportunities there right and these these like accountability i see not so much as a a destination or something you inflict on someone but rather as a skill it's it's a it's a muscle that you have to practice and so yes these conversations are so hard and they're so awkward but they get easier the more you do them and you can practice them in so many different ways from little little day-to-day things right it doesn't you don't have to wait until it's been like a disaster time like <laughs> the worst right. possible thing has happened to practice accountability it can just be day to day of like hey i said i would i'll follow up with you on this thing and i didn't i'm really sorry or like you know hey this little thing you said the other day um i kind of took it this way and it hurt my feelings can we talk about that you know like all of these things are going to build up our muscles so that if something else happens if something bigger or more escalated happens we're going to be ready for it I think it's just absolutely incredible what y'all are doing. I think it's such good work. And I know the hardest part can sometimes be that initial reaching out for help. So if there's anyone out there right now, you know, who has their phone on them and they're like, how do they, how do I even get started? Is it, can Mm. they just send you a simple hi, a simple hello, a simple, I need help. Is there, you know, for the person who's trying to take that first leap and they don't know what to say to initiate this conversation, like what advice would you give them? Yeah, so this is actually we get something we get a lot on the hotline. It's really not uncommon. Um, so to to connect to the hotline, you text the word support to two three three six eight. You can text in anytime, any day of the week. Um, we will respond every day between three and seven p.m. Pacific time. Um, so yeah, so you text the word support to two three three six eight from anywhere within the USA. Um, you get two automated questions before you get connected to anyone. So the first one is just, what name would you like to be called? That can be any name. It doesn't have to be your legal name. Um, and the second question is just, what's going on? And you can share a little bit about, you know, what, what you're maybe wanting to talk about. And in that, you can you can say, I'm just trying, just practicing reaching out. Um, or just say, I'm struggling or I'm having a bad day. Be as vague as you want. You can change your mind later if someone, if you like start the conversation and want to talk more. Um, but even 
once you connect, so after you answer those two automated questions, uh, you'll be put in queue to get connected with a live agent who will like text with you in real time. And um, even once you do, sometimes people just say, I was just practicing reaching out. Like, I don't want to talk today or I was feeling mad earlier, but I feel better. And then just, you know, end the conversation there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, Again, it's a muscle. Asking for help is a muscle. And um, maybe we are not your end goal. Maybe your end goal isn't to talk to us, but maybe you want to practice reaching out to a therapist or reaching out to talk with a friend that you've had a falling out with or to talk with a family member that you're having a hard time bringing up a conversation with. Um, And we are just your kind of playing ground for like, okay, what is it like to even just text and say anything um, about it. And yeah, we, we get that, um, again, not infrequently. So it's totally welcome. We're not going to push you. We let everyone who texts in guide their own conversations. So it really can just be whatever you make it. That's wonderful. And for people out there that want to support everything that you guys are doing or maybe want to be part of your streamer um, initiative. What kinds of tools do you guys have for people who want to contribute and help help out the hotline? Yeah, so um, we are a free service. We, we never charge anyone um, for using the service and we want to keep it that way, of course, to be as accessible as possible to whoever needs us. Um, and so we are a nonprofit and... Uh, we live off donations, and so if you want to financially support us, you can donate on our website at gameshotline.org. Um, outside of that, uh, spreading the word is really, really huge. Um, we are a new hotline, and um, we are, you know, we're very grassroots. We're very, like, part, we're just relying on word of mouth and, and people in the community. So, um, yeah, if you are in a Discord server, for example, that has a resource list or a resource channel, add us to that. If you're part of a org or a school that has a resource list, you can add us to that. And then just generally spread the word, talk about us, um, both just like in general day to day, but also especially if something happens in the news or in your community where people are needing a little bit more support. Um, for example, when the Blizzard lawsuit came out, um, that was a time that like people were really sharing our, our resource and, and we got a lot of people reaching out um, and, and needing help and wanting a place to talk about that. So um, yeah, spreading the word. If you are a streamer, uh, we have streaming kits available to help you um, spread the word about us uh, in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, so you can find that on our website as well. Again, gameshotline.org, I think, slash streaming dash kit. Um, and we also just launched our champions program um, with anxiety as our first champion. And so, yeah, if you if you are a streamer or a content creator or run a community or anything like that, and you want to become um, a Games Hotline champion, uh, we would love to have that conversation with you and and talk more specifically about like unique and special ways that you can help support our cause. That's fantastic. And we'll have all of those links in the show notes down below. So if you're listening to the show in a place and you want to 
make sure you check those out. Get to a spot where you can click on those links. We will get you guys all covered, so don't worry. Um, Jay, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for all of your knowledge and for taking the time to tell everybody about your guys' mission. Is there anything else that you want the What's Good Games community to know about yourself or about the hotline? Hmm. Um, not, not too much that I can think of. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at Games Hotline on everything. I thought it was a very thorough conversation. I have like a yeah. million more questions that I could keep asking you. We'll have to have you back. This was very yes. insightful. I loved Please. hearing, loved hearing it. And so eloquent, you know, yeah. Gamers are more too. eloquent than, than people <laughs> give us credit for, I swear. Um, oh, I know. You should narrate audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's you very can, flattering. You, you can moonlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here at What's Good Games. Don't forget you can check out our memberships at patreon.com slash what's good games. And we will be back next week with Rebecca Valentine returning to the show. For now, enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.